Well, good morning, saints. I am glad you're here, and I am super excited to get to share this word with you. As you can see, I'm stalling as I argue with technology. It's like it knows it's me. Does anybody else have that anointing that like you get near technology and it just sort of ceases to work? Am I the only one? Okay, good. Mark's with me. Okay, Julie's. Thank you. I feel better. Yes. Thank you, Teresa. It's an anointing, right? It's just because the Lord wants us to be present with him and not distracted by these devices. It's a spiritual thing. That's what I've decided. I try to spiritualize every dysfunction. I don't know if you guys do that. That's not what this sermon's about, but that'd be a good one, wouldn't it? Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for this new day. Thank you for this new year. Thank you for what you have prepared for us, not only today, Lord, but in this new year. And I ask God that you would help me to share from your word, Lord, not just teaching my ideas or any traditions of men, Lord, but that we could handle well your word of truth, your scriptures, so that by your Holy Spirit, we would each be taught from you, God, and we'd be empowered by you, Holy Spirit, to not only hear this, but to do it and to receive from you everything that the Father wants for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John 15, 1 through 17. We're going to talk about abiding in the vine today. And as we start this new year, I know, I know there's such a thing as a cliche, but you know the reason why things turn into cliches is because they're true and they're said so often because they're true that we stop hearing them and we start going, well, that's rather cliche. But just because we got a little maybe cliche about it doesn't make it less true. And there is nothing wrong with at the end of an old year and at the beginning of a new year hitting the reset button, the refresh button, the renew button, and renew our vows with the Lord to say, wait a minute, who am I? Where am I? Where am I going? Have I gotten off track? Am I doing well? I just, another year went by. I don't know how many of you guys noticed, but for me, I felt like that was like my fastest year that I've lived yet. Anyone else? I mean, it was just like, boom, I, I can't even... I can't even believe we're here. Whoa. It's made me reflect on how happy I am that we have eternal life because if yours are going to go this fast, I want more of them. You guys with me? But it's appropriate for us to not allow ourselves to become cynical, to not allow ourselves to become weighed down with the things of the world, but at the beginning of the year to say, God, how am I doing? Where, where am I? And also to look at our own hearts and go, ooh, how, how are you doing, baby? Like, how are you doing? Do you remember who your first love is? Do you remember who it's supposed to be? Speak nicely to yourself, but it's a good thing to ask, isn't it? Where am I? Where am I? And then to restore our habits and our routines with the decisions that we've made about who we will love. Are you guys with me? And so that's, that's what we're doing. And that's that's good. That's a good thing. It's okay. I remember one year I, I, ta- I was preaching about New Year's resolutions, and I was saying, you know, that's another one of those cliches, like, oh, yeah, you make a resolution, skippity-doo, and then you don't do half of them. But you know what? You do half of them. It's important for us to, to do this. We're renewing and we're refreshing. And so as we renew and refresh, I got some great news for you. 
you are not the only one that is committed to your success. Isn't that good news? You are not the constant gardener in your life. How many of you are excited about that? You know that the Father has sown his own son, Jesus Christ, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains barren. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it will produce. And you guys, you guys are that produce that has been formed because Christ died and rose again. And we have been born in Christ. And the Father is committed to forming Christ in each of us until we together come into the fullness of the glory of God. Come on. So he's, he's up to that. Now, I get it. It's New Year's Day. Most of us, some of us, a few of us stayed up till midnight. I'm looking around. All the young people are like, that's right, we did. Young people with kids are like, eh, we almost got there. Those of us like me and Karen are like, yeah, we were in bed by 10. But here we are in this new day, John 15. Let's begin. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. There's that constant gardener. Jesus is speaking to the disciples I am the true vine. My father's the gardener. Now he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You've already been pruned. You're already ready. You don't have anything hanging on to you, Jesus is saying, because I've spoken the word to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Other translations say, abide in me. Remain in me. Rest in me. Be in me. And let me be in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Everybody breathe a collective sigh. <sighs> All right? Have you ever seen anyone straining to bear fruit? It's just ugly. Just picture it. Don't do that. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You and I, if you have an action in, in being with God, then that action would be remain. That action would be, I'm going to use the word abide. We're using the NIV, but, but I, I, you know, I'm kind of a, a, I grew up in the, in, the, in the King James Version. It gets me into, joke, into trouble when I make jokes about the old English, but that's not what we're doing today. But it says abide the way that I grew up with it, abide in me. Let me abide in you. The action step for us, which is sort of an interesting thing, isn't it? Because our action is actually to abide, is to stay in one place, is to rest in my emotions, in my spirit, in my purpose, is to abide, to rest, to, to be remaining in, to not run off, but to stay in that place of Christ. To rest in that place knowing he's got me. He's got me and I got him. And everything else is going to flow out of that. But that's an action step. Isn't that interesting? It's a surrender, isn't it? It's like surrendering to the life of Christ being formed in me. But it takes an act of will to stay in that place. Because how many of you guys notice that it's a pretty distracting place out here in this world? And it's also easy to run off and try to do other things. But he says, I want you to remain in me, and I will remain in you, and only then can you bear fruit. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love how much Jesus repeats himself. It makes me feel good, because I do that. 
If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So part of us remaining in Christ is that we remember what he said and we let those words remain in us. They steer us, don't they? They show us how to think. They show us how to think. Did you hear that? They teach us how to think. The words of Jesus teach us how to think. We, when things happen, we go, well, how do I think about this? Let me check with what Jesus said. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Did you catch that? The constant gardener, our Father, is committed. In fact, it is his glory that you and I bear fruit. That's something worth getting excited about because how many of you guys are just like a little tired this morning, right? I mean, I'm tired this morning. Believe it or not, I get more hyper when I'm tired. I'm like a little kid, you know, they just like run themselves up like, and then they crash. I never grew out of that stage. But you know what? My energy, my, uh, my joy level, as it were, or I should say my happiness level as it is, my, my sense of emotionality has no bearing on God's ability to bear fruit in me because the fruit comes through the Holy Spirit as I abide in Christ. Are you with me? It's the Father that's committed to me bearing fruit. So even though I might not be having all my happy, clappy emotions at the very moment, that's okay because the Father is still committed to me bearing the fruit of Christ, the fruit of the Spirit. You guys, do you see that? That's a relief because how many of you guys have had a bad day where like honestly the whole day you were just kind of barely hanging on? Anyone? Okay, thank you for admitting that. We're going to meet you afterwards, those of you that raise your hands. You guys saw them, right? They're, whew, just kidding, just kidding. That's all of us. We all have that. We, we need to know that he is still forming Christ regardless. So the Father is committed to that. And it's his glory. He actually takes glory in the fact that that's happening. I think that's amazing that God stakes his reputation on being known as our God. Right? Like, he's excited. He's like, I'm Jason Haig's God. And he's really proud of that. I'd be like, wow, I sometimes don't even name drop Jason Haig's friend. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Joshua Rivas' God. It's like, are you sure you want to be known by that guy? And he's like, oh, it's my glory that he would bear fruit. If that guy can bear fruit. Are you with me? He continues, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, <coughs> remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. So now he's going deeper. You must, you must remain in me and you'll bear fruit. How do you remain in me? Keep my commands. Are you guys following? You will remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. <coughs> Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. My command is this. Remain in me. You'll bear fruit. You can only bear fruit if you remain in me. How do you remain in me? Keep my commands. What are my commands? My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business. I'm sorry, doesn't know his master's business. 
Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. I love this. Listen to this promise. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Again, where's our confidence? He chose you guys. He chose me. He chose us that we would bear fruit. I love that. We got to choose him back, but he chose us. And he's saying, and you will bear fruit. Now watch this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And whatever you ask in the name of the, the Father, I'm sorry, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And this is my command. Love each other. So the action for us is to abide in God, to remain in the vine. That's an action. How do we do that? By obeying his commands. So we're obeying his commands. We're remaining in him through obeying the command. What's the command? Love each other. How do I know that I'm remaining in him? I actually like you. Not as I would have you, but as you are. And if I'm doing that, I'm abiding in Christ. Now look around the room at all the people that annoy you. Just kidding. But isn't this amazing how we have a tendency to ignore the number one thing that he actually asked us to do. He said, I want you to abide in the vine and you'll bear much fruit. How do I know I'm abiding in the vine? I'm obeying what Jesus said. His word actually causes me to abide. And what is his word? What's his command? Love other people as I have loved you. Try to remember what kind of knuckleheads these were. We got a tax collector. We got essentially like a domestic terrorist, right? Are you guys with me? Th these guys were zealots. That meant go disrupt. Okay, just saying it was an intense situation. I'm not trying to be political. I'm saying that was a fact. You got people that are natural enemies, and he calls them together and goes, you guys are my team. And then he teaches them how to walk with him. They only had one thing in common. And what was that? Jesus. And he taught them how to love each other. Remember all their arguments? Which one of us is the greatest? Which one of us is going to be the greatest? They even got their mamas involved. Hey, mama, ask Jesus if we can sit at his right and his left hand. This, they, these guys are as, as human as us. And Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you how to abide in me by loving each other. And by this, by this, we will overcome Satan and his agenda. The fruit of this, people will see your love for one another, and they will know that my father sent me. Now, that sounds amazing, right? Is that amazing? Here's where the rubber meets the road. Do I actually love you? Do I love like Jesus loved? And he, and he qualified it, by the way. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life 
for his friends. I, I was thinking about some of the intense situations you have to get into to love people. Like, is anybody here, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you here love an addict? Those suckers are hard to love. You guys know my story, so you know that I'm an addict that's walking in recovery and continuing to do that. But my goodness, have, there is no one in this room or in this earth that has hurt Karen more than me. Are you with me? There's no one, because I'm the closest one to her heart, and I am the one who has broken my promises to her more throughout our marriage than anyone else. But I got to tell you, nobody has loved me better than Karen. But it didn't, it didn't come cheap. Are you guys with me? And, and, in, and very much in part, I will tell you this, Karen has preached the gospel to me that it's his kindness that leads to repentance more than anyone else that I've ever seen short, of course, of Jesus. Because she just kept abiding in him. Now, she had boundaries. She wasn't like, walk right over me. But she was like, I am going to keep betting on you. And if you'll be honest, we can do this thing. That's a hard thing to do. I've seen people who have brought people into their homes and, that, and then let those people that they are trying to help hurt them again and again and again and again and again. And they're still there and they're still hurting them and they haven't given up. Why? Because they are abiding in Christ. And they were like, I will lay my life down for you because I love you. Not because you deserve it, but you are worth it. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. You're laying your life down. It's not cheap. It's not easy. It's not fun. But my God, it transforms the world. This is what he's talking about. This is what God is glorified in is that we actually, we love like that. How many of you have been a recipient? How many addicts in this room are a recipient of that kind of love from God and from people in your life that are like, man, Wow. Well, get back up. Today's a new day. And it's, and, it, and it's those people that we're hurting while we're still justifying our selfish behavior or the wounds that happen to us, right? We're all victims and we're all perpetrators on some level, aren't we? And yet that constant choice to love someone and lay my life down for them is actually where we see the kingdom, the fruit of Christ manifesting in people's lives. And it's transformational, isn't it? Are you guys with me? I just want to encourage you that your life is making a massive impact for the kingdom right now. And very likely for some of you, you need to hear today that your, pl your place right now of what feels like greatest disappointment because you just keep loving right in that place. And you're like, when, when, does, when will this matter? Does it even matter? Like how many times am I going to get slapped in the face by the person that I'm trying to love? Is it even, does it matter? And it matters. 
Christ was crucified by the very people that he came to save. And you and I share in that suffering. And that's part of Christ abiding in us is we actually share in the suffering of rejection by the very people that we're trying to love to one degree or another and sometimes completely for seasons. And we lay our lives down for our friends just like Jesus did for us. And here's the beautiful part. That is the kingdom of heaven. That's not the kingdom that's coming. That's the kingdom that is come. It's Christ manifesting in you right now. It's where heaven touches earth right now. Jacob's ladder was opened and he saw angels descending and he said, I was, I was here at the gate of heaven and I did not know it. You are the gate of heaven and you do not know it. You are. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. The king of glory will come in. The king of glory has come in. As you and I abide in Christ and Christ abides in us, Christ is right there. And he is manifested as we love others as much as he loves us. It's so simple. We miss it. It's so hard. We stop doing it. It's impossible without him. That's probably why. I know that's why I stop. I forget to draw on his strength, and I'm trying to love him with my own, which is fine. Hey, Sarah, give me a hug. You don't want to hug me? Fine. We're not friends anymore. Because I wanted a hug. My love needs an instant reciprocation. His love can keep giving and giving and giving infinitely because it comes from the heart of Christ, from the heart of the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'll never run out of that. But if I'm not abiding in him, I only have my own temporal love, where I love you as I need you to be, not as you are. Are you guys hearing this? So, <laughs> I spent a lot longer on that point than I planned. And now I've admitted it to you. So how do we walk in this? Yes, thank you. So how do we walk in this? Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jesus used a lot of agricultural language, didn't he? And the reason why, of course, he was in an agrarian society. And so these guys understood exactly what he was talking about. When he's talking about vines, they know what's up. They've, they've got vines all over, all right? Well, there's an interesting thing about vines, and, and he uses this analogy of the father being the vine dresser, the gardener, right? Now, the vine dresser is the one that makes sure that the vines are healthy. And so we can trust that he's doing this. Now, there's an interesting thing that happens with vines, and, and, and that is a little thing called suckers. How many of you guys know what I am talking about? Raise your hand, literally, if you know what suckers are. Yes, right? How many of you met some suckers on your way to church today? I'm just kidding. Um, so suckers are these little shoots that come up. They, it happens with trees and it happens with vines and, and it, it, you know, fruit-bearing plants, right? It, and these little suckers, what they do is they shoot out and they often come right as that tree or that vine is getting ready to bud. They come up at the same time and, they, and what they are is they are a shoot. They don't bear fruit, they're just suckers. And why do they call them suckers? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> These shoots pull energy, water, and nutrients away from the developing 
fruit. They suck up all of the energy and the nutrients and the water that would otherwise cause that plant to bear fruit. They literally suck up that juice. That's why they're called suckers. Now, I think what's funny is when you remove suckers, it's called suckering, (laughs) which is just a great word that I feel like should be used more often. (laughs) Suckering. It's the process of removing the small shoots or suckers that grapevine trunks put out in the spring. And then the way that you do this, now here, listen to this. I loved this analogy of a professional suckerer. And forgive me, Father, but he is the one that does the suckering. He's the chief suckerer. And what he does, now listen to this. This is amazing. Suckering by hand requires constant bending down, getting up, and making repetitive motions with knives or other tools. I, I was reading that, and I just was picturing the Father with us. Like how often he gets down, because you got to be tender. You can hurt the vine if you don't remove the suckers correctly. Think, just, just picture the father, picture the father coming over to the suckers in your life, the suckers in my life. And I just got that picture of him just coming down and being like, oh, Joshua, oh yeah, that's, that thing's nasty. Hang on. Then walking down the vine. Oh, here we go. Oh, look at this fruit. Joshua, look at this fruit. I'm loving that. This right here. This wants to take it away. Let's deal with that right there. Let's just get rid of that. Constant bending down, getting up, and making repetitive motions. That's a good, that's a good father. That's a good vine dresser. That's what the father is doing in our lives right now. He is committed. It's his glory that we bear fruit. Now, what kind of fruit would we bear? Well, we know it's love. And in fact, Galatians 5 spells it out so beautifully. And then we're going to have a reflection time together. And, um, but let me just read Galatians 5 to you. Because let's contrast this, all right? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is literally a re-preaching of what Jesus just said in John 15. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. How often do we see this, right? I read a quote recently that I thought was very interesting. It was talking about how many times the activists among us, the believers who become activists, start out with a heart towards injustice, but they themselves oftentimes become the most unmerciful to their fellow believers. Isn't that interesting? Biting and devouring one another. I start out trying to bring justice to the world, and I end up cynical and bitter against my own brothers and sisters because I don't feel like they're doing what the way they should. And so instead of drawing one another forward in love, I cut myself off from my fellow believers because they're not just enough. They're not merciful enough. They're not enough enough. Amen? Rather, we we love. If you bite and devour, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. And so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what's contrary to the flesh. 
they are in conflict with each other, so you're not to do whatever you want. Boy, if that's not the opposite message of this world, right? If you feel it, do it. Whatever you feel most now is your most authentic self. Follow it. And here's the scripture. It says the exact opposite. Your desires of your flesh are actually in conflict with the desires of the spirit of God. So you are not to do whatever you want. Selah. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we have a lot of suckers there, don't we? Got a list of them. You know, the greatest sucker for me, I'll confess my sins to you, as per our usual Sunday agreement, is worry. Worry is the greatest sucker for me. It starts out as a concern over something that's going on in the world. So it's okay, it's appropriate, honestly, to look at that and go, oh my goodness, Lord, that is very broken, and I have concern for where this may lead. And so we're on a good, we're on a good course so far. And then I began to pray, God, please, I ask that you'd intervene in that situation. And then instead of letting it go, then I continue <laughs> to think about it and think about it and think about it. And instead of abiding in the vine, abiding in Christ, I honestly begin to meditate and I, and I more or less take my emotions, I take my imagination, I take all my powers of intellect and I apply it to thinking about this puzzle, about this broken place. And I end up, honestly, it becomes this sucker that takes all of the energy away from bearing fruit of abiding in Christ. It just starts sucking all of my emotional energy, my creative energy, my ability to be present with other people, my ability to love other people. And I honestly am exhausted. And oftentimes I get so wound up, I'm awake in the middle of the night, righteously whining to the Lord that he hasn't done a flipping thing about it yet. I mean, I disguise it as prayer. But, and nobody else here? And it becomes a sucker. And the, and the father, the father, I need him to come in and cut that sucker off and return to, Lord, and we're going to talk about prayer, so we'll get to that, but return to praying about it and then leaving it with him and going back to abiding in him. If there's an action step, great. But are you guys with me? That's my biggest sucker. That's my biggest sucker. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. When my sucker is in full bloom, I don't have any of those three. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That last one is where I go nuts. If I'm worried, there is not enough ice cream in the world world for me. I will sit down, and Karen, she's not in here, so I can be really truthful. I will sit down and I will say, I need to get some ice cream. And then after I finish that bowl, I'll go, you know, I think I'm going to have some ice cream. And I will have like three bowls of ice cream. And then one more. I'm just not telling you about that one. Because I'm worried, and there's not enough ice cream in the world. 
You guys with me? And there's not enough TV in the world either. That's my other thing. I just want to be distracted. So for me, it's gluttony. It turns into I lose self-control and gluttony. Those become new suckers that come up in my life. Now, here's what I want us to do. Again, just confessing my, my sins to you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I want us to ask ourselves three questions today. And, and I want to give you room for this. So pull your phones out if you have them. If you have a smartphone, that's like almost everybody at this point, right? So go to notes or wherever you like to write things down. Or if you actually have a writing stick and a, and a you know, piece of papyrus or whatever that, just kidding. I, I like to write with my hands. I have notebooks. But um, I, w- I want to ask you a couple of questions. And we're going to take a moment. We're just going to take the last five minutes of this day, and then we'll pray together. But I want us to ask us ourselves a few questions as we go into this year. And we're going to be beginning uh, our annual fast next week. And so some of this we'll be continuing to pray into, but this is the beginning point. And so the first question that we want to ask is, what fruit does God want to grow in you this year? What fruit is it that he wants to grow in you? And we, we have a list here from the fruits of the Spirit that we know are what God produces in us. What is that? And you'll, and you'll notice too, by the way, guys, all these fruits are relational. All these fruits aid in our ability to love like Jesus loves. So we're just going to take a moment, and I want you to just go vertical with the Lord. And it might be, might be a couple. Um, don't write down all of them. That's, that's, you can't focus on all of those. But let the Lord just speak to you. Here's something I am going to be working on this year. And it, and it may be something more specific, but we wanted to start with the fruits of the Spirit. Um, so just let the Lord bring that up. The second question is related to this, and that is, what are the suckers in your life that are making it hard for that fruit to grow? 
what are those areas that you're aware of where you're just like, man, this sucker, <laughs> it just ends up pulling me in. And it very well may be, guys, that sometimes it's, a, it's actually a good thing. Like it, for some of us, it might be a besetting sin, and you're like, okay, I got to go after this. Be, behind, you know, I shared with you, for me, worry is a sucker. Well, for me, worry is a sucker that leads to other suckers. So in my journey um, of, of walking out of sexual addiction, walking out of these things, my journey was finding out that worry is the sucker that leads to that other sucker. So I spent the first part of my journey just trying to go after getting away from sexual addiction. Well, that didn't work at all because behind that was some other issues, and one of those suckers is worry. So the point of inception for where I don't want to end up was actually over here of where I'm allowing fear to cause, to wreak havoc in my life, and then it leads to all these other acts of the flesh to try to medicate. Are you guys with me? So let the Lord just bring to your mind, what are some suckers? It might not be the besetting sin, yes, but there might be something that's coming before that. Are you, are you guys with me? And the second thing is, one of those suckers could be that you might be overdoing something that's a really good thing, any workaholics in the house, that's actually, you're so busy, you're doing too much of one thing and it's become a sucker. You need to let the Lord cut that back so that you're doing what he's wanting you to focus on, maybe not trying to do everything. So I'm just throwing that out to give you, it's a, it's a wide array, so it doesn't have to be necessarily a sin, but rather, what are those areas, Lord, that, that, that you want to, to, to cut that back? So just take a moment and let the Lord bring that to mind. By the way, if you don't get anything in this moment, we're going to be praying and thinking these things through. So keep your heart and mind open for the Lord to speak through this week because we are letting him come. He's the gardener, and we're, the, we're, we're in that vine. We're the branches. He's working. He's going to keep working. So, Lord, we ask you that you would bring to mind even right now, Lord, what are some of those areas, those suckers in our life that you would like to bring to our mind? that we could ask you to cut off. We could ask you to help us to begin to actively abide in that place rather than letting that sucker grow. We're going to prepare in this. Next week, we're going to be stepping into a time of, of uh, a week of fasting. And so I want you to begin to prepare 
your heart and mind in, in something that, that you're going to be willing to say, Lord, I want to set this aside as I focus on you, as you're, as you're pruning, as you're cutting off suckers, and as you're seeking to bring focus and renew me, as you're, as you're preparing me in this year, that you're consecrating yourself by laying something good aside. And for some of you, you know, it'll be a, a full, you know, you'll lay aside all food and just drink water. And for some of you, you may lay aside, uh, you know, all media maybe for that week. There's many different ways that you can set aside something that you love in order to deny the flesh and to seek the spirit. And it's a powerful and profound part of prayer. So I just want you to be thinking about this, that this week because uh, after the sermon on Sunday, that what we'll do is after you eat dinner, we'll fast from dinner until the following dinner of Sunday. And if you choose to be doing food or doing a Daniel fast or what have you, those will be the markers for us. And so we'll, we'll, we'll fast through that together and pray through that together. But I wanted us to begin at this point of saying, okay, Lord, what is the fruit that you're seeking to cultivate in me? And then, Lord, what are some of those suckers that you want to cut off? They, they might be, as we, as we just talked about. So this week, I want you to be thinking about that, and we'll touch base next week as we prepare then to fast and pray, and there'll be a little bit more to this. But um, that concludes the message part of this day. Are you guys able to receive this? I want to encourage you to come up and receive prayer. We would like to agree with you, the elders and home group leaders. Can you come up right this very second? And we want to agree and pray with you over this year. So those of you that would, would you please honor us by allowing us to just pray over you and agree with you for God's purposes over you this year. So those of you that would like to receive that, please come up. We want to pray with you. And uh, for the rest of you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you and give you shalom. I love you guys, and I'm excited about this year together.